Hello everybody and welcome to episode 5 of Deep Diving. Thanks for checking us out. We're sucking Diesel now. We're up and running. Um, last week's episode with Nicola Coughlin, she of Derry Girls fame, was an absolute treat. I really enjoyed it. And uh, it's actually now the second most listened to episode after Lewis Capaldi. So it went down a big hit. So it was a lovely reaction. And thanks again to Nicola. This week has been mental for me. No two ways about it. Uh, launched the brand new 2FM breakfast show with the insanely talented Darren Garrahy. We've been having a good laugh. It's been beyond hectic but good fun to get back to the the sillier side of radio and we've uh, yeah we have been silly is the truth of it and like I mentioned last week on the podcast this is what this vehicle is serving yeah the stuff that might have a little bit more meat on its bones be that as it may I would have loved to have had more time with my guests this week but our respective schedules were up the walls so we only got about 20 minutes or so which for a podcast is not a huge amount of time but we rinsed enough out of it that hopefully you'll find it an interesting listen it's with brad who is the lead singer of the vamps bradley simpson if you want his full name they are a multi-platinum selling band they're from the uk they got three albums meet the vamps night and day and wake up not in that order meet the vamps wake up night and day and they're a really interesting outfit because i kind of feel like they they're not quite one direction and they're not quite mcfly they sit somewhere in the middle they've collaborated with demi lovato with sean mendes and i always have felt like they're on the cusp of being a little bigger than they are currently like it it feels like it has another gear or three to to ratchet up be that as it may they're just coming from a sold out o2 in uh, london and uh, sold out three arena in dublin so you know they're shifting tickets bradley's the lead singer um we've met a few times it's always been very silly jovial interactions and i do feel like there's more to him and i wanted to to scratch beneath the surface of what it's like to be a front man in a pop band because we talked to Lewis Capaldi about being, you know, the overnight sensation kind of front man. But Bradley has come through the ranks. The Vamps became famous on YouTube first and then were signed off the back of their YouTube success. They're kind of like the, in the same way Sean Mendes was a Vine superstar and that's how he got his break. So I chat to Bradley about... Uh, the band, the guy, one of the guys who's in the band with him, they have a podcast together, actually, James. He's been very vocal about his mental health struggles. So we touch on that. We touch on the ego of being the front man. Some of the crazy people they've talked to on their own podcast, including a lady who escaped the Westboro Baptist Church, being suspicious of people, their motives towards you when you're, you know, the front guy of a famous band and loads of other bits and bobs. Like I say, I would have loved to have delved deeper. And so there are areas we touch on that certainly weren't warranted a little bit more of 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 a discussion but the clock sadly was uh was against us be that as it may i hope you find it an interesting engaging chat all the same the usual if you like it please share it we're building organically and slowly and more people are coming every week which is fab but you can help in that regard just take a little screenshot and say hey i like this podcast you should check it out subscribe it's free it just means you get updated when uh, when i post new episodes and if there's people you'd like to hear on the podcast i'm all for reaching out to people I mightn't have thought of um, so you can drop me an LDM on the Instagram for now I'll leave you with this deep diving with Bradley Simpson hello Brad hello buddy how are you good how are you I'm good man I'm good yeah it's nice to see you you too I know it's probably been like a year hasn't it about a year about a year I would say yeah, yeah. since you last solo three arena I know and man you- it's very odd you went on your Motley Crue tour around the world and you've landed <laughs> back. Have you seen The Dirt, the film? No. Oh, you only mentioned Motley Crue. I just watched that the other night. It's a pretty intense film. What's man. The Dirt? The Dirt is like uh, Tommy Lee's 
recollection of Motley Crue's time. Oh, right. And then so it's like a a diary of it, basically. And there was a book at first, and then they made the film, and it's on Netflix. The film's on Netflix. Okay. But it's so interesting, and it's like... Is it debauchery? Unbelievable. Like, it... Like, what kind of level are we talking here? Like, I don't think they... I don't think in the film they show as bad as it was. Like, they... But, like... Orgies and drugs and hedonism and... Yes, like everything that you can possibly think. TVs. I think they were the originals to do like the TVs out of the hotel windows, and which now seems like such a cliche. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? It's so funny. I just don't think that'd work now. But it's 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 a funny film, man. Okay, I'll put it on the to do list. Well, yes. then let's. Hear, have you read Scar Tissue, Anthony Kiedis? I I've read a, I read like half of it when I was younger. Get back to it. It's insane. Like. Is it? Am I right in saying he lost his virginity to like to his dad's girlfriend? Yes, when he was like twelve. That's nuts. Is, uh, if people don't, if you're of the younger vintage, this is Anthony Kiedis, lead yeah. singer of the Chili Peppers. Yeah, and it's amazing that he's alive. Yeah, it defies logic. It was yeah. intervention of friends is the only reason he's alive. Mm. Basically, repeated interventions. Yeah, like, and he kept kind of going back, didn't he? That's the same as. Um, Nikki Six in Motley Crue, and then we watched. Have you seen Rocket Man? Not yet. Really good, but it's a similar story, and it's like I think it gives you so much more. Like you respect all of those eyes in their own right, anyway. But once you know their stories and stuff, it just adds to the level of respect for what they've done. Like the Elton John ones, you've got to go and watch that. I'd say Elton John has seen some things. Yes, but like I didn't realize how like coloured his life was, and like his family background and blah 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 like there's so much it's insane yeah um so this podcast because we've talked on the radio mm-hmm. and on the radio it's gimmicks and yeah. it's competitions and it's quizzes yeah so this this podcast it's relatively new but we cool. had lewis capaldi on was the first episode and oh was, good lad good lad he, he was kind of talking about instant fame mm-hmm. and the loss of his anonymity and yeah. the less jokey side of how that affects him in the real world mm. and we had a, a girl called Ruth Ann who wrote Slow Hands for Niall Horan and Wicked. Scared to Be Lonely for B.B. Rex and Martin Garrix and stuff talking about the songwriting industry so it's kind yeah. of people in their area of expertise talking about specific aspects yeah okay and there's a couple of things I, I thought you'd be you'd be ripe for picking if you're happy to go there yeah of course you doing your own podcast now with James yeah yeah we started that like probably about a year ago and we just had the like i think when you're on tour and you've like as close as we are and been on tour as much as we have for the past five years you end up just having you pass the time by having conversation and obviously and a lot of it is based around like stuff that you're not that informed about but you'd like to be yeah how little we know how little we know that was the premise of the podcast was like well let's come in as complete amateurs about certain subjects yeah and then try and play like either devil's advocate or or try and put it in layman's terms for listeners because i think that's what a lot of people want you know what i mean they want to be informed on a subject in a way that is like palpable for them your first episode you were talking about social media yeah and you said and it struck me interesting as a front man particularly mm-hmm. that you you need or certainly want to compartmentalize your life into your yeah. public life versus your private life and you're very cautious to make a distinction uh, yeah i think that's something that i'm trying to still get my head around like i think it causes more problems for me than it makes it necessarily easier trying to compartmentalize it because in doing that you just add stress to yourself but i've really struggled with yeah having like my private life on show like I had like a long term girlfriend at like at the beginning of the band and then I had a couple of people that dated throughout the band and it's like 
I've really struggled with people knowing about that because I was like, well, this is my thing. I don't want everyone kind of being interested and poking. Do, their do you mean in. fans, you know, just tweaking you? Hey, what's the story with? Or do you mean journalists like um, actively digging? A bit of both. Yeah, like definitely a bit of both. I think a relationship for me is always between two people. So that was like, I wanted to keep it that. That was just, that was like one of the big things. And then also just like, we were in a time where social media was still very new. It still is really new. I feel like it's still like uncharted territories and people don't really know what to do. But they're getting the head around it a bit more now. Us, we were like the first band to like kind of break through YouTube and get like a deal off the back of that and stuff. And then going into using like Instagram and Twitter as a platform of like actually selling your music, but also before doing that, selling your personality to sell your music. Do yeah. You know what I mean, that that was a really weird thing for me because I was like, well, why don't people just like the music and get into us for the music? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which, is yeah. A, which is a legit point of view. And yeah. then I'm not naming a person. I'm just giving you a tangible example. One yeah. of the other podcasts, we were talking about this with Anne Girl, who's written all these songs. Mm-hmm. I asked her why she thought Leona Lewis didn't make it. We were talking about the X Factor. Right. And she just said she didn't want... The music side of things was amazing, but she didn't want to play the game and she didn't want to yeah. push her personality to the fore and mm-hmm. she reckons it cost her. So, yeah, have you reconciled that yet? Yeah, I, d- I can understand that. Like, I do think you've got a... It's not like selling your soul a bit, but it's just finding your threshold of, like, what you're willing to put out and yeah. how much you're willing to play the game. I, I think I've got a lot better at it. Uh, in not even playing the game, I've gotten more comfortable with just, like... We were 16, 17 when we started. I'm 23 now. That period of time in anyone's life is such a integral part of finding out who you are, I think. Yeah. Because you don't really know who... You still don't know who you are for years, I think. And, like, you're trying to figure it out, but trying to do that alongside being in a band who's touring and having a bit of interest was quite a funny one. So I think it took time to kind of grow up and be like, oh, this is, I'm comfortable now. Did you grapple with your own ego or sense of, I'm a fucking, I'm the man. <laughs> like, I don't know if you, like the, the Brandon Flowers song, The Man, yeah. oh. is about him at about the age you are now, like mm-hmm. when the killer started to break. And yeah. that's what he says in that song. He said, I thought I was the, the shit and yeah. it, it cost me. I went, Did you ever have any of those fights with yourself? Um, a little bit. I think, like, my friends from home and family are very grounding in a really nice way. They're like, if if I come back and there is maybe a bit of ego, it's like, sit down, dickhead. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you're still a little brummy skater that we've always known. So, and I think you need to have that touchstone, like, when you're going home and stuff, and that really helped me. Um, like, did you ever gravitate towards... The parties, the people, the scene. Um, sometimes I th- you can see, I definitely saw it. Um, and there was a couple of moments like, like I didn't move down to London or anything. That's very much where um, the kind of industry is. And it's it's so cool in so many ways. But then at the same time, if you're trying to remove yourself after like a gig or after being in the studio, like it's quite hard to do sometimes. Um, so I like I stayed in Birmingham for the majority of the past like seven years. Going, but like I always went back home to Birmingham. That was always that was my touch base. So I kind of made sure I did that for my own mental health. That was actively because you. You were trying to protect yourself rather than you I just love Birmingham and are cheapskate uh, and yeah. didn't want to pay London rent. Like. <laughs> there was definitely a bit of that. Um, but I, I think it was 
it's different for different people. Uh, and for but for me, I was definitely like I need to go back to my home and where I've grown up and see the people that I've known the whole time because I, I loved I've I just love music. I love performing. I love writing. And then the other stuff for me is like mm, I can take it or leave it. Do you know yeah, what okay. I mean? The party and stuff. I, I enjoy it. Um, but if it's with people that I love, if it's with the boys in the band, and the, you do definitely see like hangers on coming in, and anyone will say this. You just get people, and you're like. I don't really know you that well and I don't really like I'd rather be at the pub with someone that I've known for like and, years and if you can see the hangers on from a mile away what do they do like try just to befriend you to kind of bask in the reflected glow try to become fast friends I think yeah it's the fast friends thing yeah because okay. like definitely because it takes for me like it takes a long time to become like have a build up a level of trust with someone and become like really good friends like all of my mates I've been mates with since school these boys have been mates with since for like eight years as a yeah. real and you go through stuff together but then there's those people who are like oh we're best mates now it's like we've been on two nights out man yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean so they come around the house and yeah like it's a funny do one do some cocaine <laughs> <laughs> but it's just it was, a, it was a funny one but I'm definitely we're all in a really good place at the moment we're all a bit older this tour's been really really fun I think as you get a bit older you get a real perspective on like i mean we're so lucky to like be coming here and playing out and i know that sounds like oh my god but genuinely as you get older and you realize how fragile like those moments are and how fleeting they can be you're like i'm just gonna fucking enjoy this whilst it's here and just take every bit of it in and and yeah just love it like that's what this tour has been it's been a real moment for us to just kind of step back and be like this is sick we're still doing this and we're doing it as best mates and it's great man mentioned being in a good place and you know going to Birmingham for mental health and stuff James had a wobble is that the delicate way of saying it around 2016 Mm. Um, and maybe it's his story to talk about rather than yours but what brought him to the point I don't know how accurate it is but I read that he wanted to leave because he Mm. just wasn't in a good mental space that was a funny it was I think we were all under so much pressure and and it's a bit James has spoke a lot about it about it he does a lot of videos on his Instagram and he yeah. does a lot of like interviews about male mental health and I think we just hadn't had that conversation I remember we we were in Argentina and we were sat in like um not the lobby but on our floor by the lifts and me and James had like got there a bit early for lobby which is like insane I'm never early for lobby so that was <laughs> that was a bigger shock I'm the lead so. singer don't you know <laughs> <laughs> and um we just sat and we just had like a chat and I remember us both being like this is really intense at the moment we hadn't been home for a long time and you enjoy obviously you've got to be very grateful for you're out in South America but at the same time sometimes you just want to see your family and you just want to have like a bit of a break and um, when you say you were under pressure was it just the pressure of homesickness loneliness or, so. or label pressure was like was the business part of it going well because the there's the show and there's the business yeah I think it was more kind of like we were in a period of time where we could tour so like I mean we're still lucky that we can now but it was like right we can do this so we're going to go out and we did so many like tours back to back that was so much fun but you enjoy it you enjoy it but then you do need that break and that kind of moment to step back and I think or or just a conversation I think that's what it was it was me and James just having a chat and both being honest and being like yeah this is amazing but also very intense at the same time and it's so valuable having someone who you can honestly speak to uh, and we've got that in each other and I think that really helped just having a chat amongst us and then realizing oh actually it's it's having someone that you can see oh 
I'm, I'm going through the same thing. Yeah. And it's quite reassuring then, and it kind of takes the weight off, because I think the biggest amount of pressure when you're feeling, like, sad or lonely or whatever it is, is that you're the only person going through it. And if you can speak to someone else, it just it kind of makes the problem smaller, because sure. you're like... Problem shared, problem halved. Exactly, it's a cliche, yeah. but cliches are true, I guess, so for a true. reason. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah. One of the other episodes I didn't get to listen to, but I will, is the... This is your own podcast, how little we know. Yeah. You did... You, did you chat to someone who was escaping the Westboro Baptist Church? We did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where did that... Where did even the idea for that come from? Like, if um, people don't know the Westboro Baptist Church, they're this hardcore, far-right Christian church in yeah. America. They're the God Hates Fags Brigade who yeah. hold up those crazy signs and... It's insane. It is insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's nuts. We saw the um, the Louis Theroux documentary where he went in yeah. uh, and kind of spoke to him. And it was one of the sisters who'd left a couple of months after that documentary and James had got into contact with her. And again, it was one of those things that's just a really interesting story. And we lucky enough, luckily enough, had the chance to have a chat with her. And we were like, this is quite interesting for our fans. And you get an insight into like this crazy world. And then this girl who's had outside perspective and one of the biggest things that she said was getting social media she was going on to like kind of preach the church's values yeah. and then because they were such a like small group of people who shared the same opinions and values on things there was no external well you you could be wrong here. yeah yeah <laughs> and so and then she went confirmation on bias yeah yeah and started kind of spreading their thoughts and values and she was met with like logical people coming back and saying well this is wrong, and then she could see it. Do you know what I mean? It yeah, wasn't yeah. like she, the other people in the church who were just blinders on, no, this is what we believe to be right. She was like, oh, no, okay, actually, I agree with that, and that's fair, but then she felt so trapped, and she eventually got out of it, and she met her husband, and it was a really interesting story, man. Yeah, you should give it a listen. What was her, when she went to leave, mm -hmm. could she leave easily or was there resistance to her leaving? Like yeah, there was a huge resistance to her leaving, I think. It wasn't just like, oh, I'm leaving. There was so many, there was months of build-up and like attempting to leave and having conversations with people in the church. And it's not just the church, it's like it was her family, do you know what I mean, as well. She was stepping away from a lot of her family members, which is incredibly hard thing to do. Did you say she feared for her safety? There was a bit of that, definitely. I think her husband throughout the whole thing was super supportive uh, and kind of got her through it. But it's just mental that you, you can feel that scared for what's going to happen and it is your family do you know what I mean that's such a that's such a crazy thing for me to think about that you'd be scared to step away from your family for fear of what's going to happen afterwards and no it's it's a intense episode definitely go and give it a listen yeah okay did you do celebs go dating I did you first date mad oh first date yeah, yeah, okay that's a yeah. little less cringy you said I was going to give <laughs> yeah. you unleash a torrent of abuse <laughs> first dates first did date. you go on a date yeah, yeah, we're on a date on first dates. Did, I didn't see it, I'm sorry, but no, how, no, how was much. it? <laughs> <laughs> um, like, were you, how, was that just someone in the PR side of things going, this would be a good laugh, or were you open to the possibility you could fall in love uh, on national telly? <laughs> I'd never watched an episode of first dates at all. Yeah. And then, yeah, someone um, mentioned that the offer had come in, and they were like, I think this could be really good, actually. Like, it's a good, it was around the time that I think the second album was, like, out, and... 
they were like, it's a good way for you to kind of get yourself across or whatever. And I was like, pretty open at the time. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I'm single, I'll go on, I do. And then I watched an episode after I'd confirmed and I was like, oh my God. And it was like, again, because yeah, we spoke about earlier, like the first thing we've said is how I like to compartmentalise <laughs> my life. And then I'd go on first date. So it was like inherently opposed to like what I actually like but it was quite uh it was a good experience like the girl on there Isabel was a really lovely girl and it was a genuinely nice date the team on there was super nice um and then I mean the feedback like the reaction from the public was really nice as well it was just a funny I don't it's not one of those things I regret I, I genuinely enjoyed it but it was just funny because I think if you asked me to do it now, I'd probably say probably say no. <laughs> That's the right decision, Brad. <laughs> and inter- you know when you mentioned about the fast friends thing? Yeah. Are you single or are you not single? I'm single at the moment. All right, so in terms of meeting a girl, do you have that same mentality in your head that you're you're almost vetting people, rightly or wrongly, mm-hmm. but even just as an auto response, like is the, are her motivations pure? Is she? Mm-hmm. Is it the band? Is it the money? Is it the lifestyle? And yeah. even if that what she imagines the lifestyle would be is not the reality. It's still attractive on paper, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I think there was definitely, like, a period of time where I got really, like, you question everyone's reasoning behind stuff. But I think you can only do that for for so long before... Because you're almost, like, giving up faith in humans, which, like, is yeah. quite sad. You want to hope that people have, like, the best intentions and are good people. Um, so there was a period of time where I was definitely like, oh, why are they speaking? Are they speaking to me for this reason? And I think like a year and a half ago, a year ago, I was like, look, you got to just kind of relax into it and hopefully trust that, trust your own judgment. I think you do get a gut instinct for people, whether yeah, sure. you're in, in the public eye or, or not, um, and trust that. And that's kind of where I'm at now, which is a good place to be rather than like not trusting everyone that you meet, I think. Yeah, okay. Did you ever hear the story? Robbie Williams was in Germany doing a gig. No, it's a Germany. It might have been the O2 actually in London. Right. The story goes that Robbie Williams is doing a gig and he's like, this next song, let me entertain you. Yeah. I want everybody out of their fucking seat. <laughs> Stand up, everybody. <laughs> Woo, everyone stands up. And he goes, you guys, you're not standing up. Yeah. Everybody look at these guys. I want you to turn around and make some noise until you fucking stand up. <sighs> And it was the disabled section. Yeah, oh, I've heard that story. That is. Oh. And I don't know if it's urban legend, but I've heard it, it's gone around. Yeah, yeah, I've heard um, that story. With that as a benchmark, what's the worst gig or the worst clangor, <sighs> the worst thing that's happened at a show? Is there something that's gone down in Vamp's folklore? That's a pretty high benchmark, to be fair. It is, but that's the absolute <laughs> worst. That's, <laughs> yeah. the, that's the 10 out of 10 self-destruct swallowing um, the whole button. We supported a band and they had like a big kind of like a U-bend catwalk thing to go out and they'd taken off the middle bit so so the support bands couldn't use it oh you couldn't walk you couldn't walk around yeah which is kind of fair i understand that is it uh, well i mean scabby yeah at the time i was like what and we went out went out and played the gig and i was like i'm not having this this is not fair i was like i'm gonna go i'm just gonna jump the gap and i'm gonna go out and use it and i'm gonna like go and see the crowd because i think that's like that's what i want to do um and so i've turned around to go and like do this run and jump and it was like instant karma I was thinking about this on the way over that it's like instant karma I turned and as I turned I hit James's shoulder and I'd like pop my nose open and my nose just started streaming with blood <laughs> instantly but I was like 
I've, I've, I've said I'm going to do it, so I'm going to do it. So I've jumped over this thing, bleeding the whole time, gone into the crowd. Didn't realise I was bleeding at first, just thought, oh, that quite hurt my nose. Got into the crowd, usually expecting like a wee, like, he's in the crowd, this is great. Well, lad. The, the, uh, the first, like, row of people were just like, they look like they're in tears. They're like, oh, get back, get back, get away from me. I was like, what? I mean, we've got a song out. I thought you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then as I'm coming back, you can see on the cameras and I like look up and there's just blood all over me. And I was like, oh my God, I am so sorry. That front row are probably just like, who is this bloody horrible man? Get him away from me. That was a pretty bad time. And that was like one of the biggest gigs. That was like 70,000 people. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that wasn't good. That's not great. <laughs> and finally, ask this question of everybody in the podcast. Are you good with and have you been good with money? Um, I like to think so. Yeah. You're just sensible. You haven't gone off and blown it on no, stupid cars and no, 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 none of us have. Um, again, I think we're quite sensible lads, as non rock and roll as that is. But I, I think you've got to be just so because, like I was saying earlier, you don't know how fleeting moments are. You don't know how long you're going to be able to sustain a living, a career. So we've all kind of taken measures to hopefully secure ourselves. <laughs> Okay. But, yeah. If the band was to go, even if it's five years, ten years, it's separate yeah. ways. What what would the avenue that you would pursue be? Oh God! I started doing started doing songwriting for other people like a year and a half ago. I think that's something we all enjoy. And then we'd know, or you're still chasing the big hit. It's still chase. It's still. I think you're always looking for that, and that's definitely like a, something on the bucket list. I'd love to like write a song for someone else and yeah, yeah. and see it do well. But like, and then we did a couple of things. Like I did a thing for an Aardman film. Do you know? Uh, like they did like Chicken Room, like those anime. Oh yeah, films. yeah. They brought a film out last year called Early Man, and I did like three songs for the soundtrack for that, which was really really fun. So there's like, I think it's all very music based for all of us though. I think it'll always like stick around music. Yeah. Okay. Well, you've got a re- an EP not so long ago, so I assume yeah. you're, it's a while yet before you even look to the next cycle. Well, to be fair, we've just booked like an Airbnb, just the four of us, and go yeah. and spend like a week in the middle of nowhere. And we're just going to drive up, take all our gear, set the studio up, and just have like two weeks and like potentially look at writing like the next album. In oh, okay, film, right. Which yeah. is like, uh, it sounds pretty just to have a bit of time off, but we took some time off last year and it was really nice, but it makes you realise actually, well, I do really enjoy being in a band and writing songs. Yeah, so. make hate. And very finally, what should people watch on Netflix? Um, I've started Chernobyl, which is Sky Atlantic okay. and now TV. So, I mean, I've just basically not answered your question there. Yeah, what well, what's Chernobyl? <laughs> is that a, is that a factual? It's it's a dramatization of the of the events, which Cheery. is really yeah. yeah okay. <laughs> but it's interesting. Okay. Um, hey, thanks for your candor. <laughs> thank you. It's been sir. lovely. Thank you very much. And you've been listening to my podcast, but go listen to how little we know. Yeah, man. Love thank it. you. Thanks, dude. <laughs> So there you go, Mr. Bradley Simpson from The Vamps. Like I say, would have loved to have had a bit more time, but uh, big love to Universal Music for sorting out that chat all the same. I've got some really nice guests lined up the next few weeks um, from a vast spectrum. So like I say, if there's anybody you'd like uh, me to punt for, drop me a line. I'll try my very best and uh, we'll see you next week. Love you, bye.